Hello, and welcome back to our third episode of our podcast series this semester. Um, Again, my name is Quasia Penix, and we are talking about surrounding the organization of Benevolence Farms and kind of what they do to tackle and help our system that we have created um, from, you know, the criminal justice systems to the prison industrial complex to assisted women after they have returned from their incarceration period and are trying to re-enter into society. So as we look at the prison population of the US, it has the largest prison population of the world with about 2.3 million people currently incarcerated. Um, And that's according to the Prison Policy Initiative, um, looking at, you know, kind of our prison industrial complex, our prison uh, population in a whole snapshot. Um, so since about the 1980s to 2019, there was a reported increased jump of incarcerated women by about 700%. And that is a large, large number over the past 30 years or so, a 700% increase just for women alone. And so as we know, Benevolence Farm is an organization that assists women leaving from NC from North Carolina prison systems and trying to transition back into society in North Carolina alone. So this program is located in Alamance County. Um, However, they will assist anybody over within the North Carolina systems. Um, So one thing that we try to work with and assist women leaving the prison system is the issues they face are they have no support, Um, formerly incarcerated people are 10 times more likely to be homeless and that's people in general. And so when you're looking at formerly incarcerated women specifically, they experience that homelessness at nearly twice as rate of that as men. So while the overall formerly incarcerated people, um, tend to experience homelessness 10 times more than the regular persons who are not formerly incarcerated, women experience that at twice that as men. Um, so other issues as far as no support, and you know, people are recidivating back to that old way of life if they don't have no stability, no support, no plan of action moving forward. Um, they can't find stable housing, no stable jobs, let alone health care or sustainable living. And when we break it down to look specifically at women, about 61% of mothers who are current or women who are currently incarcerated are mothers. And women tend to be the primary sole provider for their children or their single parent of a household. Um, So looking at that statistically, that's a huge number, right? 60% of women who are incarcerated are single mothers or their sole provider for their children. And so when you break that down, it has an even deeper effect on um, family systems, family structures, the way kids end up. So, right, children with incarcerated parents or even incarcerated mother or father are more likely to end up in a foster care system, um, are more likely to develop a substance use issue, um, and also more mental health, um, untreated mental health diagnoses. So things such as, you know, ADHD or any type of mental health issue or substance issue that may go untreated, which would also eventually um, 
could relate to and tr transition and trickle down to them ended up within the criminal justice system themselves. So starting in the juvenile justice detention center and ended up ultimately in the criminal justice system. Um, if we look at our statistics, they tell us that, you know, the amount of prison beds for children are calculated by the age, by the time they're in third grade, by the end of their third grade test scores. So if they're calculating that, and then you also take into account that their mother or father isn't present in their lives, this really breaks down the family structure and ends up in that repetitive abuse cycle of within the criminal justice system, cycling out within foster care. So um, Benevolence Farms really tries to provide women leaving North Carolina prison systems with safe housing and a working employment opportunity. So how did we get to this 700% increase from the 1980s, right? So as we know, um, the war on drugs played a big part of policy implementation, right? So um, when this was first implemented, it was to crack down on the amount of drugs and influence that it had on our world. But little did we know the reactions and the consequences of what this war on drugs would produce because right now more than 61% of women serving federal sentences are in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. So when we look at what happened in the mid 1980s with women being arrested for drug related offenses, that increased by about 216% compared to men at 48%. Now, of course we can see that, you know, both numbers fluctuated and increased over time from about the mid 1980s. And I got my info from um, the Policy Prison Initiative. It was a really good website to kind of break down and look at the numbers as a whole. And so when we look at it, women were on a steady increase. Yes, there was a couple dips here and there, but women were on a steady increase of um, number of women being incarcerated for drug related offenses, while men had a spike However, they went on a steady decrease. So as we can see, and as we talk about that increase and decrease, women faced a steady increase and overall about 216% recorded since 2019 compared to men at 48% in 2019. Um, and so as we continue to go and look, what can we do? How do we help tackle these problems that we've had, right? So when we're focusing on the war on drugs is one of the main problems um, that women has, meaning that they face majority drug-related nonviolent criminal offenses that place them in prison or jail. Benevolence Farms is an organization that helps work to provide safe housing, safe transitional space, employment, working opportunities. However, they also try to tackle the mental health aspects, the uh, disability aspects that women may face, the trauma response, domestic violence issue, partner violence, anything that comes with the person as a whole. So what Benevolence Farms does is look at, they look at the person as an individual, but they look at the individual as many. So they look at everything that comes with this person, what issues they have, what problems they face, what specifically needs to get them from point A to point B at the end of this program. Um, so thinking in terms of what state and programs or agencies exist already, looking specifically at a mental health and disabilities resource, 
RHA is a program that exists in North Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and they all help work with partners and programs and other individuals to gain um, stability, mental stability, health stability. Um, for instance, right now, they're currently partnering with Benevolence Farms to um, work with some of the residents to help them get to a sobriety moment, to help them get to a position where they can then help assist other individuals who have substance use issues. So one of them are currently working towards a peer specialist or a mentor specialist for RHA. Another program that works to combat the issues surrounded by um, formerly incarcerated women is a new way of life project founded by Susan Burton in 1989. This project was started by Susan um, as an individual who has been wrapped up in the criminal justice system and who had her freedom and liberty taken away from her due to a sobriety issue due to a tragic loss that she faced. And as she goes through and talks about why she started this, I really want y'all to pay attention and realize just how much effect that, you know, the war on drugs imposed on our communities, um, especially on our black and brown communities and our minoritized, marginalized groups of people, including women of all races. Um, a New Way of Life Reentry Project has currently served over about 800 women and is a national leader in the struggle to break addiction and incarceration. So now I'm just going to let you all listen to a clip from Susan Burton herself as to why she began this um, prominent organization called a project, um, a project called A New Way of Life. So many people are missing from our communities because of the war on drugs. So many, so many mothers, so many fathers, so many sisters, and so many brothers. It was 1981, and my five-year-old son was killed by an LAPD police officer. After his death, I used uh, alcohol and drugs to medicate my pain and grief. As a result of those drugs, I was arrested and incarcerated. You might have thought that the criminal justice system would have said, you don't have a criminal problem, you have a drug problem, and there are resources for that. I started a new way of life based on my own experience of uh, leaving prison, coming back into a community and not having any supports to rebuild my life. Over 800 women have been through our homes. Over 150 children have been reunited with their moms. We have an 88% success rate, just providing the supports in a place where women can feel welcomed and supported when they're released from prison. I think the work that DPA does is important, important work, vital work in our community around ending mass incarceration and creating fair and just policies. All right. 
So now, as we even look across the country and look at other programs that kind of provide the same sort of support structures as like um, for women specifically and structural support, housing supports. Um, if we look in Houston, there's a Angela's House that also caters to formerly incarcerated women. Um, there is a Center for Women in Transition in St. Louis. In New York, there is a Ladies of Hope Hope Ministry House. And of course, locally, we have our own base of Benevolence Farms, which works to provide, you know, the safe housing, the safe employment structure, those supports that, you know, and um, Susan Burton was talking about that she needed that she got out. And as we look across the nation, we can see that individuals and projects and programs and nonprofit organizations are really starting to expand and try to help tackle some of those issues and tackle some of those things that, you know, looking at specifically marginalized communities, such as women, formerly incarcerated women, and, you know, those stigmas that they hold, um, that they're criminals, that they're dangerous, and having that stigma of being a felon on your record really imposes, honestly, a threat. It imposes a threat to their well-being and their livelihood of trying to work as individuals and restabilize themselves. Um, so as we look and we talk about how is this community, how is this population marginalized? Well, for one, they're women. We all know that women are a marginalized group because they are not superior. They are not the ones who hold majority power over our years, of course. Um, so if we look, poverty plays a huge, huge part of it. Because when people are getting out, they have nothing. They are poor. They have no job. They have no nothing when they get out. Um, and so looking at people with different abilities or disabilities, mental health issues, things like that really play a detrimental aspect on an individual who's trying to rebuild their life after they've been broken down to nothing by our criminal justice system. And so as we look at what Benevolence Farms does and as human service professionals, the work we do is to help people gain a better quality of life. So in so Benevolence Farms, like I said, focuses on the individual and the whole of that individual to understand the needs and basic needs of each resident. So resident one isn't going to need the same things as resident two, right? So although, yes, we fall in a communal group of their women, they're formerly incarcerated, not every single formerly incarcerated person is going to hold and have the same needs that the other individual persons does. Um, one thing specifically that Benevolence Farms also focuses on, and a lot of these programs focuses on, is a strength-based perspective. Is that, you know, dominant, um, self-motivated, self-efficacy type of ordeal. So teaching the residents how to self-advocate, how to rebuild their lives according to the goals that they want and that they have to achieve. Um, so as we're looking into some of these evidence-based practices, Benevolence Farms provided over a thousand of safe housing nights to residents to combat this 60% of women who are homeless or, you know, the um, homelessness rates that women face majority than men. So yes, the, um, the criminal justice system as a whole has a lot of work to do, but as these programs specifically focuses on women, um, women have different needs than men. Women are, you know, sole care providers for children, for families when a lot of times they're single parents, um, homelessness, domestic violence, partner violence. All of these things are 
problems and issues that, you know, are faced post-incarceration. So what Benevolence Farms does is, you know, helps to find that stable employment. Um, after their um, program is completed, helps to find that stable stability housing by the time their program is completed. So as they're working on the farm, they're provided free housing. They're provided a working job on the farm to be able to help gain an understanding of what it means to be employed again, what it means to have a steady income. How can you navigate that? Um, other things that Benevolence Farms does to combat, you know, this social problem that we have is they help individuals get identifications needed in order to get a vehicle, in order to have transportation to and from work. They offer um, assistance with schooling if any individual or resident wants to attend school to help combat that educational missing aspect of it because women also tend to have not completed a high school education more so than men do who are formerly incarcerated or, um, you know, providing legal services to help with post-incarceration things, whether they have any legal fees that need to be paid off, ticket fees, child support, whatever it may be. Benevolence Farm is a resource that tries to help accommodate those needs for each resident that we have. Um, and if a resident isn't able to be accommodated by the farm, staff members work to provide other resources and other connections to that resident in order to be able to be successful. So although they may not be a good fit for the farm and the program itself, Benevolent staff works to find other resources that connect those women around the state to help them assist them um, get connected to any mental or physical health assistance, you know, primary care providers and things like that. So as we look at what Benevolence Farms does, it's built on the premises of second chances and it does not discriminate against charges. So meaning while other places, you know, will turn away sex offenders or turn away individuals with violent crime, Benevolence Farms isn't one of those places. They put their resources and their staff to work in order to help the benefit of the resident and help those individuals um, gain a better life for themselves.